Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Tactical Yanks podcast, your podcast for soccer in America and around the world. I'm your co-host, Pete Douthit, and I am joined by my fellow co-host, Filippo Silva, and welcome to the Tactical Yanks podcast. Hopefully you enjoy. We'll be talking about U.S. soccer, European soccer, South American soccer, the World Cup, and much more. And we're back for episode 15 of the Tactical Yanks podcast. I'm your co-host, Pete Douthit, with my fellow co-host, Filippo Silva. Filippo, how you doing, man? I'm doing great, and I'm actually very excited for this episode, right? We usually talk mostly about U.S. soccer, but as the World Cup is approaching, today we reach an episode where we will mainly focus on the World Cup. We're going to talk about the U.S. men's national team towards the end and the friendlies that were announced against Japan and Saudi Arabia. We'll give the dates and give our thoughts on it. But today we have a World Cup power ranking. <laughs> yes, and we might do this maybe once a month or something or, or once every six weeks, update our power rankings because after Nations League, I feel a little differently about certain power rankings and certain teams than I did before. So we're going to do our top 10 power rankings and basically that means the most likely to win the World Cup, yes? Pretty much. It's uh, The order we're giving is based on our opinion, higher odds of winning the World Cup, right? Any of these teams could win it, but obviously if we rank them higher, it means we're counting on them being the favorites. Yes, exactly. So without further ado, oh, before we do, we promised we would read a review on every podcast we didn't last time. Uh, Our apologies. So we have this one um, from Kyle B 92 And he says, love Tack and Pete. They call things how they see it. Don't always agree with everything, but it's rare that I can say that. Love the passion and hope you guys keep trying to spread it to others. That being said, I love the 11 Yanks vid you did a while back on USMNT songs. Definitely got me thinking of ideas. Do you think you could do something like that again? Try to build the excitement ahead of the World Cup and try to get others to come up with songs. Maybe you guys could do a challenge for fans to come up with the best song or something. Thanks again for giving us great content. Keep it up. Kyle B. Well, thank you, Kyle. Appreciate that you enjoyed. So, are video. you reading uh, reviews repeated now? Because we're not getting more. We're not getting new ones. So, are you just repeating it? We're getting a few new ones. The last one was on May twenty eighth. I don't think I repeated that one. I think I would have mm-hmm. remembered when there was that much. I think that one's a new one about the songs too. But yeah, let's 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 go to these power rankings because I'm dying to talk about the World Cup. Yes, the World Cup is five months away, guys. It's actually very exciting as we get closer and closer. And um, we're gonna go with our top ten. 
But well, let's start with the 10 and work our way up to the number one. So we'll go back and forth. Filippo, who is your 10th most likely team to win the World Cup? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. I'm going to get some hate for this, especially because I'm wearing this right here, American. To me, it's England. England. Um, okay. And quite a drop off, right? Because England, at, at based on paper, when you look on paper, it is a team that easily makes a top five on paper yeah. with the talent they have. There's no question about that. But the way I see England's the following. First, they looked abysmal in the UEFA Nations League. And I understand that Nations League and World Cup, two different beasts. UEFA Nations League is essentially a glorified friendly for these clubs. But regardless, they're preparing for the World Cup and they looked abysmal, anemic yeah. up top. And Southgate is just a horrible coach. And even when I look into past results of England in the 2018 World Cup, the Euros, they hate to hear this, but the truth of the matter was they had the easier path. And yeah. they were a very talented team. So they were able to push through these weaker opponents and make it further. In the 2018 World Cup, they lost to every elite opponent they faced. Elite, okay, not good. There's only good opponents in the World Cup. Elite, I mean like Belgium, Croatia. They lost to Belgium twice in that World Cup in yeah. Croatia when they faced them. Maybe the second one that the, after those two, Colombia was a tough one that they beat on PKs. But even so, Colombia's not elite. It's a very good team, a very strong team. Mm. And then you go to the Euros. They went through their group, battling it out, tying with Scotland, you know, went through with not too many difficulties. Then they faced a German team was that was firing their coach, Joaquin Love, going through restructure. They were able to beat Germany. I don't know if they would beat Germany now. That's mm. my opinion. And then they defeated, I believe, after that, it was Sweden or Ukraine. It was one or another that they faced in the Euros. Not the toughest opponents. Then they faced Denmark, which is a very strong team, by the way. Uh, mm -hmm. I even want to give them an honorable mention, even though they don't make my top 10. Uh, Denmark is one to watch out for. But they were going through a lot. They had the whole Ericsson issue that happened in the first game with the competition. England advances. And then the final, they lose to Italy at Wembley. And Italy didn't even make the World Cup. Issues now currently with England that I see is that back line with Harry Maguire. It's just really not reliable, which will force Southgate normally to play two sixes ahead of them, which kills off the creativity from that team. They don't have creativity. They also don't. He doesn't try alternatives. I'm not saying bench Harry Kane, but maybe try to play Harry Kane more in a playmaking role. Throw in Tammy Abraham, see what he can do. There's too much talent in that team to lack the creativity and, you know, everything about it. They're, Southgate. Some people like him. Some people don't like him. I think he's a very limited coach, somewhat what we have with Greg Berhalter of the U.S. men's national team. So for that reason, I have England dropping quite a bit in the power ranking. And again, this is not based off talent on paper. If it's based off talent on paper, England would be ranked way higher. It's based on what I'm seeing from this team the past few years. They're not giving me many hopes, so I put England in 10th. All right. So I think that's fair. You want to hear my number 10, and this might be a – a yeah. little under the radar for some people, but my number 10 is Denmark. Uh, this is a team that has been very That's impressive. fair, though, just to make it clear. It's a fair pick. I think it's fair, too. I mean, yeah. they have a lot of talent in that team that plays at very high levels, but mostly I'm going on their record, right? They've produced a lot of good results. They finished first in their qualifying group um, in World Cup qualifying and have looked very impressive in Nations League, including beating France. Uh, but the thing I love most about this Denmark team, and this is going to become a theme uh, throughout my power rankings, is I give extra credit to teams who seem like a very tight group of players, right? You can have a lot of talent, but if you're not all on the same page, if you're not a tight unit, 
if you're not like a brotherhood where you're all fighting for each other and you actually like each other um, and you know, you have a very small chance of having dressing room issues that bumps you up in the power rankings. So maybe they don't have a ton of elite talent, but for the results they've gotten for the team they have, I'm putting them at 10th. That's fair. They, they were my honorable mention because if this was an 11 power ranking, they were my number 11 too. It's also good to point out that in the Euros last year, despite all the adversity and, you know, somewhat of the trauma of what happened in the first game, they still made it to the semifinals, gave England a very hard time. And if I'm not mistaken, England also played that game at home. They played most of the games at home. So, yeah, yeah this is a team that I sh we should not underestimate. And Christian Eriksen is back, by the way. And yes, maybe not at the same level as before. Maybe he'll pick that up. But he's been playing well. Yeah. It, that felt like that, you know, moment in the Euros when he had that heart attack really brought the team together, you mm -hmm. know. Uh, and that's why I think I'm marking them. They're not going to win the World Cup. But putting them as 10th out of 32 teams, I think, is more than fair. Mm -hmm. Let's jump to ninth. Who's your ninth, Tech? Do you want me to go first or you on the nine? Should I go first on nine? Let's do this. I go first on even numbers. You go first on odd numbers. Fine. My ninth that I have is the Netherlands. Now, this is not the Netherlands team of the past, right? They maybe don't have as much elite talent as they used to, say, in 2010. Uh, no, they don't have that golden generation. And so I don't think they're going to win the World Cup, but they have a strong enough team combined with them looking like a very tight unit, right? Beating Belgium, for example, in the Nations League was a very good example of that. Um and I, I don't think they're going to win the World Cup, but I think they're going to go on a solid run in this World Cup, maybe make a quarterfinal, possibly even a semifinal if they get lucky on the day. Yeah, they also, it's probably debatable, they might have one of the best defenses in the World Cup. And then you add to that the fact that they do have players up top that maybe are not at the level of Mbappe, Neymar, Messi, um, but there are players more than capable of in one play getting a goal here and there for them. And Louis van Gaal has surprised me. I, I had a lot of question marks uh, because after the 2014 World Cup, which he did a fantastic job with that Dutch team, along with all the talent they had, there was the Manchester United period. And I, I, I'm a Manchester United fan. I started to see all that. And I, I had some question marks in regards to Louis van Gaal. He also has health issues right now that he's dealing with. And I think he's okay now. Hopefully he is okay by now. Uh but again, I'm going to have Holland ranked a little bit higher than you, but I I'm actually think this team can cause people a lot of trouble because especially in knockout rounds, you need a strong defense, right? Yeah. When you're when you're playing in, in, in a point-based system, you can kind of get by it with just the way you play with a lot of talent. Um, we've seen Manchester City in the past with not that strong of a defense still be able to pull through the Premier League with some ease. Ease, right? It's never easy in the Premier League. Uh but in these short tournaments, if you have a rock-solid defense, and we've seen this with Italy so many times throughout history, where they would go with a team that wasn't as talented as many other nations, but just a, such a strong back line can get you very far, right? Defense wins championships. So, But that's not my nine. You want to know my nine? Yeah. Uruguay. And mm. also for similar reasons. Uruguay has a perfect blend of youth and veterans. Mm. And we saw a little bit of that in CONCACAF here. They were a little outdated under Oscar Tabares for all World Cup qualifying. And then after they added Diego Alonso, some new ideas, even though the playing style didn't change that much, new ideas, new energy, new blood, right? Yeah. With Diego Alonso, they have the tools to surprise many teams in this World Cup. It's again, it's another team. I really don't see them winning the World Cup. I don't see that happening. But it's a team that if catches good form, they can very easily make it to a semifinals. 
right? Yeah. You look at options up top. Suarez, Cavani, Darwin Nunes that just signed for Liverpool, signed for Liverpool. Valverde from Real Madrid. Ahascaeta, one of the best attacking midfielders in South America. You get the defense there with um, Coates. You get also Jimenez, veteran Godin, goalkeeper. Araujo from Barcelona. Yeah. So there's a lot of talent in this team, right? Bittencourt from Tottenham. So I think this is the end. The one thing Uruguay has that anyone from South America knows this is just grit. This yeah. is a team that even if they lack talent at times, even though this one doesn't lack talent, it's such a pain to defeat them. Brazil knows this throughout the year. So Uruguay is my number nine. I think what I like the most about Uruguay is Diego Alonso has made them a much more flexible team than Oscar Tabarez did, mm -hmm. right? They were very much 4-4-2 in a deep block and counter, which is still fine for the talent that they had. But now, and you've seen the way they play, they can move that line up and attack you in moments when they feel they have a very good feel for the game right? They understand when maybe the moment is right to go forward. They'll drop back in a block if they need to. They'll set a mid block whenever they need to. They'll interchange between having possession and attacking you and seeding possession to pull you out. It's a very tactically flexible team and tactically flexible teams are very hard to scout and predict. That's yeah. why I think you have something there. It almost seemed like he got what Tabata's had on that 4-4-2 low block and he just expanded upon it, right? Because Uruguay is a team that really gives you possession. They let you yeah. hold possession and it gives you this false feeling that you're controlling the game. Somewhat to what Chelsea from Thomas Tuchel in Real Madrid that won the... So look at that. Chelsea from Thomas Tuchel was sort of like yeah. that when they won the Champions League. And Real Madrid right now too, they give you that feeling that you're controlling the game and then in one or two plays, they kill it off and you're done. Yeah. Their ability to attack you, they're so fast in the attack. When they win the ball, they recognize when you're out of position and they take advantage of it so quickly. Knockout round team. It's Definitely. a knockout round team. Definitely a knockout round team. All right, you go first on number eight. Okay, my number eight is Portugal. Um, okay. I have some question marks of Portugal because of coaching from Fernando Santos. Um, but at the same time, this is a team stacked with talent, right? If you if you go look at Portugal on paper, it kind of becomes something like I talked about England, right? I would want to rank Portugal higher if it's just on paper, but I do have some question marks to the way they play. It's it's kind of annoying to watch, to be quite honest. Those one-zero wins that they try to go through, you just look at it and you look at all the players they have with Bernardo Silva, Bruno Fernandes, uh, Ruben Diaz in the back line, Diogo Jota, Rafael Leon, that was a freaking beast for AC Milan this year, Cristiano Ronaldo, Andre Silva, and many more Even players. Jean Felix. Jean Felix, too. Jean Felix as well. A lot of players that I might have even forgotten to mention. There's so much talent in this team, but they don't play that way, right? But again, World Cup is a short tournament. If they catch fire, this is a team that Portugal, out of the teams I mentioned, we start to enter an area where I do think they could win based on the talent they have. Yeah. Right? Just like I mentioned, what's funny is this. I put England in 10th and Uruguay in 9th, but I actually believe England could win if they caught fire or had a better coach. Same thing right. with Portugal. Uruguay, I don't think they would win it. These two, I actually think. So Portugal is my number eight. Yeah. And the one thing that I think Portugal has is their big star, Cristiano Ronaldo, is good for the team. Mm -hmm. He's not – I mean, you know, people speak about Ronaldo a lot. But the clip that I always come back to mind was during the, I think it was during the Euros when they had a, a penalty shootout, right? 
and Ronaldo was there and some guys didn't want to take it and they were scared. And Ronaldo went up to them and said, Hey, you come on, you're a good penalty. And he's like, Oh no, I don't want to miss. I don't know who it was. who was talking. To I thought him. it was Bernardo Silva. Actually, I think it was Silva. And he says to him, if we miss, we miss, it's okay. Take a chance, show some personality, you know? And that spoke to me of a guy in the dressing room who's very much about the team and, and fills other guys with confidence and isn't making it all about him. You're saying Neymar wouldn't do that for Brazil? He would not. <laughs> he would not do that. But yeah, I think that Ronaldo might have certain issues in the past, but I think he's at an age now where he understands if he wants to win another trophy with Portugal, especially a World Cup, he's going to have to be a really strong leader uh, and lead by example in that dressing room and not make it all about him. And I think that's going to benefit Portugal massively. Mm -hmm. So who's your eight? My number eight is England. So I have them slightly lower than you. You're overhyping them. No, uh, <laughs> uh, look, this is still a massively talented team, you know, and if Gareth Southgate can get out of his own way and he can, you know, change the formation a little bit and give them freedom to play a certain way. And that means with a proper attacking midfielder for one. And if they catch fire in the right moment, if they, they might adopt a siege mentality because there's a lot of negative press around England right now after these Nations League results. Mm -hmm. So they could go into a World Cup with a real siege mentality of nobody believes in us, let's prove them wrong. And ultimately, I think that could really, really benefit them. So I have England as my number eight, not any higher, because I still think they have holes in that team. You know, at left back, there's holes. In the center of defense, there's holes. In attacking midfield, there's holes. And generally, just the pressure they go into to win a, to a tournament like the World Cup from their own media and from their own fans they don't seem to cope very well with that pressure. So I don't have them higher than eight. No, and also one thing to point out is Harry Kane is their best goal scorer and their best playmaker. And not just that, that's fine because you get teams like Argentina, you're also going to get Messi as the best playmaker and best goal scorer too at times. But the problem is the way Southgate plays, Harry Kane is kind of forced to playmake and to score, which <laughs> I don't know. I just think there's many things that he needed to tweak there. And that it just drives me crazy how there's so much Premier League talent in the team and they can look so bad playing together. Yeah. Also, if Harry Kane gets injured before the World Cup, that drops their chances by 20% at least because they're so heavily yeah. reliant on him for their goals. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's like if you're so overly reliant on one guy, Who's going to step in? Tammy because Abraham? of Southgate, though. Because of Southgate. He could right. tweak it without Harry Kane and get creativity off other players. They have other players that can't create. He could exploit, too, a little bit more some players that don't get enough media attention, like James Madison, mm. uh, James Ward-Prowse, which is a set-piece specialist. He could take advantage of that, but he doesn't really fully embrace that. Right. And you could get creativity off of that. And Tammy Abraham can do a fine job up top as well. But uh, the problem is... He kind of like builds this team. It looks like an NBA team back in the 2000s, building the team around like LeBron James only. And, and then if LeBron goes down, that team goes from a playoff, from a championship contender to not making the playoffs because, it, but the difference is basketball is five against five. Soccer is 11 against 11. You depend upon more players. I don't know. I just wouldn't trust Southgate if I was an England fan. But now we're going to number seven and that's you first. Yeah. So number seven, uh, I have to go first on number seven. Yes, it's an so odd that's where I have Portugal, Portugal slightly higher than you, because like I said earlier, I'm going to put I'm going to give extra ranking points to, to teams that look like they're a very tight unit. And I'm not talking about tactics and I'm not talking about, you know, talent. I'm talking about their ability to really fight for each other. And again, the way that they play can be boring at times, but it can be very effective when you're trying to get results in a knockout round. 
-hmm. and you know, their coach, how, how many tournaments has he coached them at now? He was in 2014. I, well, he, I think he took over after the 2014, 2014 world cup. Cause that so, was Paulo Bento. So two euros, the, the 2018 world cup, the 2018 world cup. He's been around for a while. Yeah. And he's very experienced in these knockout tournaments. And mm -hmm. I think Portugal has more talent than they've had in a long time right now. And it's sort of, a lot of them are getting older and it's sort of a lap, but it's a good balance of, of uh, age and experience combined with youth and energy. And I think that's going to benefit them. So I have Portugal at seven. Okay. I'm going to go with my seven very quickly. Not going to explain it too much. I have Belgium. I still think their golden generation has some gas left in their tank. But out of the years in this golden generation, this is probably the weakest they have been. And not in terms of as a, as a unit, but in terms of individual talent, right? It's been a team that when you look back, they've had company on defense uh, in his prime. Uh, they were heavily reliant on a prime Eden Hazard along with Kevin De Bruyne, Lukaku. Lukaku right now is going through issues in Chelsea, and he's probably going to go back to Inter Milan. We don't know how his head will be by the time the World Cup. If he goes back to Inter Milan, we might start to see the best out of him again. It'll be good. Kevin De Bruyne is still maybe the best midfielder in the world right now in terms of creation, goal scoring, assisting. Eden Hazard is nowhere near the player he once was. As a player that would be comparable to the best wingers in the world, right now he is a player that is kind of useless for Real Madrid. So he still has talent, and I'm sure he will have an impact, but it's not going to be the Hazard we saw in, in 2018 that single-handedly, with some help from De Bruyne and Lukaku, but just completely torched Brazil in the quarterfinals. It's not the same. So Belgium has some gas in their tank, but I'm ranking them much lower than I have in the past. I don't think they'll win the World Cup. I think this generation is not going to win any trophies. The golden generation is about to have their last shot right now. Yeah, so quick surprise. I don't have Belgium in my top 10. I just think they're too much. Oh, you spoiled that? Let the people figure that out. <laughs> I just think that they don't have too many of this team is the wrong side of 30, and especially in defense. You know, defense wins championships. They have a lot of very old defenders that are way past their prime that used to be very, very good, you know, playing at, you know, Dedrick Boyata or the, the two guys at Spurs, the two center backs who were there for a long time. They're just not what they used to be anymore. And I think that's going to hurt them at the World Cup, uh, not to mention guys like Axel Witzel or Eden Hazard or, you know, others who are very much past their prime, in my opinion. So I don't have Belgium there, but my number six is Uruguay. I have them slightly higher than you. And now a quick word from our sponsor and thank you once again DraftKings Sportsbook for sponsoring the channel the, not the channel see I got YouTube on my mind this podcast and this one's for the hockey fans the pursuit for the Stanley Cup is on and DraftKings Sportsbook is also an official sports betting partner of the NHL and it has an unbelievable offer to for the exciting playoffs in the sports and for new customers they can bet five dollars on any team and win 150 dollars in free bets so download now DraftKings sportsbook app use the promo code tbpn that is tbpn bet five dollars on any nhl team to win and get 100 dollars in free bets no matter what the code once again is tbpn at DraftKings sportsbook the official sponsor the official betting sponsor of nhl thank you DraftKings. All right, so now we go to my number six, and I have Uruguay there. Um, again, we, we spoke a lot about what Uruguay does so well, 
And I think that's going to put them higher than some teams like England, even though they maybe don't have quite as much talent as England and quite as much depth. They just look like a very tight unit that has a ton of talent and is very tactically flexible and is going to be very, very difficult to play against. So I have Uruguay as high as sixth on my rankings. So my six is a team that we already talked about, so I won't waste much time on it. That's Netherlands or Holland. Right, we talked about their defense, them having effective players up top, Louis Van Gaal having it figured out, also having previous World Cup success. I have them as my number six. Again, a team that I don't think will win the World Cup, but it's kind of like Uruguay, how we talked about can make a run to a semifinals like they've done in the past. Probably won't make the final like they did in 2010, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, now we go to number five, and you go first. I have Spain. I have Spain. I do share some concerns in regards to Spain about their goal scorer, a center forward, a true nine, which seems to be the issue with many clubs and national teams nowadays regardless. But it's a team that has been playing very well. They look good in the Euros. They look like they could have even knocked out Italy. They could have won the Euros, if we're being completely honest. I think they would have beat um, England, to be quite honest. They looked better than Italy, in my opinion. And this is a very talented team. Very talented team. Obviously, Spain, besides their 2008, 2014-ish, 2012 edition generation, right, that one that won two Euros in the World Cup, they're known for bottling, right, having talented teams and just bottling it. But it's a team I find very enjoyable to watch playing. It's a beautiful way the tiki-taka move the ball around, very technical team, futsal players a lot of the times, right? And I have them ranked right there as number five. And they could win the World Cup, but I do think they'll bottle it probably. I also think their lack of a real goal scorer hurts them. I know there's Alvaro, Alvaro Morata, who, to be honest, is not a world-class forward mm. at all. But if that's your starting center forward, um, I just think that they, they might struggle uh, to score. You can beat the goal. U.S. with him. Certainly. Certainly <laughs> they can beat you know smaller teams. But when you're talking about winning the World Cup, yeah. that would be my one real complaint. I mean, they have a lot of really good talent like Pedri. Or, you know, Pedri, for me, is one of the most talented under-20 players in the world. Even... Mm -hmm. um, you know, Ansu Fati, for example, and a few others coming out of Barcelona right now to sort of complement um, some of their uh, more experienced players. So I, I, yeah, we'll see where I put Spain, but there's, they definitely have a shot. My number five is France. And that might seem low because for me, France still has the most talent in the world right now. If you look at depth and you look at uh, available talent, this is still the number one team in the world. But there are several issues. One, they won the last World Cup, right? And so there's the element of, you know, the curse. Are they even going to get out of their group? I think they'll get out of their group. You know, they haven't been performing very well in, in the Nations League. But I think there's still more than enough talent there for them to get out of their group. Where I question this France team is both, do they have the drive to win back-to-back -back World Cups, which is very hard to do? And two, the locker room. I think that Mbappe is going to be, uh, him and Pogba together, uh, as real leaders of this team, I just don't see it. I mean, you already see Mbappe talking about South American teams and how they're not good enough because they don't play in Europe. There's a little bit of an arrogance there. And, you know, he just basically became the technical director of PSG. Very I don't think it's good for him, honestly. Like, you can win the French League. I would have wanted him to leave. Go to Real Madrid. Go push yourself. Try to go win the Champions League. I don't think PSG is going to win the Champions League anytime soon. I think he's happy being a sort of a big duck in a small pond for lack of a better you know or is it a big frog no it's a big duck big duck in a small pond and yeah. big fish it's a <laughs> big fish. fish big fish in a small pond and i don't think that's gonna you know to 
to go attacking South America because they don't play against good talent enough regularly while you're playing in Ligue 1 and like rolling over the league every well, year. Just look at his group in World Cup qualifying. It was it was not a good group. The no, France group. it wasn't so that easy. It it, honestly, hard. it was a group where no team was at the same level as Argentina, besides France, obviously. No team was at the level of Brazil, Argentina, and Uruguay. Those yeah. are three in South America that Brazil and Argentina Uruguay had to face each other twice. Yeah. Well, actually, Brazil will face Argentina still because there was the, the deportation game. Um, but yeah, so you were at five right now, correct? That's Yeah, your... I had him at five. I just think there's too many egos in this dressing room, despite the talent, for them to win the World Cup. Do you want me to go first at four? Yeah. Because I kind of want to pick up from there because France is my number four. Which... Oh, wait. Who's your five? I gave my five, didn't I? I didn't give you my five. It was Spain. Oh, Spain. My bad. Yeah, okay, I'll, I'll cut that out. So, so four is France. So I'm just going to lead from where you said. I think there's ego issues right there. Mbappe definitely doesn't have the same personality he had as a 19-year-old in the 2018 World Cup, slowly emerging. Not even the biggest star of that team at the time, right? At least not on paper, even though he was maybe one, one of the best performers. This team also is on paper better than the 2018 one. Right, they're getting an informed Karim Benzema that they didn't have in 2018. But I also think there's a little bit of coaching fatigue in the team. Right, mm. Champs has been around. Sometimes teams need new ideas. We saw that with Uruguay. We just talked about Uruguay. Right, sometimes the coach needs to leave and new ideas come in with the same exact team and they just jump up a little bit more. There's a little bit of coaching fatigue. There's ego issues. Will they get past the group stage? I would be extremely shocked if they don't get out of their groups. I'll be extremely shocked if they don't make it to the semifinals, at least. Extremely shocked. But I do think this is a team that, on paper, they're number one, in my opinion, on paper. But because of results recently and some question marks in terms of ego management, coaching, I have them on number four. All right. And my number four, and you're not going to like this, is Brazil. Uh, Brazil, like France, has a ton of talent. And probably more talent than they've had since 2002, if you look at the rosters. 06, 06. Maybe 06, but again, 06 had that winner's fatigue, you know, that just... Well, 06 had also partying and drinking too much, but yeah, 06, the 06 Brazil is probably the most stacked roster I've ever seen in my life. I still think 2002 was better. I don't know. I think Roberto Carlos was in his prime. Cafu was there. That is a good point, but when you look at... We had... we had that the four up top in 2000. It's because Ronaldo was also in his prime in 2000. Well, past his prime because of injuries. But 2006, Ronaldinho, Ronaldo, Adriano, and Kaká was just like, holy crap. What are you? This is, it's like a Ballon d'Or forwards right here. <laughs> yeah, I still think pro- peak Ronaldo, Rivaldo, Ronaldinho was better. Yeah. Those three were better, in my opinion. Those two were stacked. Those two teams were stacked. Yeah, yeah. they were stacked. So this Brazil team has been stacked now. Uh, I think this is the best roster they've had since 02 or 06, depending yeah. on how you look at it. But again, I have questions about the dressing room. I have questions about Neymar, if he really wants to be there, to to win the World Cup, you have to compete every day at a very high level. And Neymar, to me, looks like a guy who's done playing football. He already admitted this will probably be his last World Cup. He wants to go to Miami, have more of an off season. He's just, I know he's still a very good player, but to win a World Cup, you need 100% focus and 100% unity. And then you've got Richarlison, who's a maverick on this team. At any point, he could come out and say some wild shit. And you just don't know if this is, he's already fighting with Vinny Jr. in camp. Like, 
That's my question about Brazil. They, they could absolutely win this World Cup or they could implode because this team is not as tight a unit as they should be. But if they can sort that out before the World Cup and, and get everybody on the same page and everyone's saying, like, this is our last chance for many of us to win something. Let's do it. We're Copa America champions. You know, not this last one, but the one before. Let's go do it. I think it's very telling that they won Copa America without Neymar. I wonder if this team is actually better without Neymar. And oh. I know that sounds like blasphemy because he's such a good player. But to win a tournament, you need a really tight team. And I just don't know if Brazil has that. Oh, Brazil's not going to be... This is your number three, right? This is my four. Four. So I'm I'm not going to talk about Brazil now. I have them very soon. And I'll expand upon that where I agree and disagree. There is fair concern about Neymar. And I'll address that soon when when we get to Brazil. All right. Who is your number three? My number three is Germany. Um, the team is Germany is always Germany, right? It's always a problem to face them. The team has more than enough talent. I, I liked their last game against Italy. They played very well. And they have a good manager, in my opinion. Hansi Flick left Bayern. New ideas, right? Brought in new ideas. A different team from when they had Joaquin Le. I learned to not underestimate Germany. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, I mean... There is some concerns in terms of some youth, right? They are playing still some veterans, but these veterans are still very effective, right? Mm -hmm. So Thomas Miller, I, I believe he's back now with Hansi Flick. Thomas Miller, he's been playing. Uh, Manuel Neuer, there are veterans there that can be. And there's also young guys that can contribute quite a bit. I really like Jamal Muziala, um, mm -hmm. Sane, that usually comes off the bench for them. Now, how they use their forwards to Kai Havertz, Timo Werner, that's something I do. I do know people say Timo Werner shows up for Germany, but I still don't think you win a World Cup with Timo Werner starting. Mm. Probably need to figure that out. We'll figure that out soon. But I have Germany number three, and Germany, to me, is a legit title contender. Yeah, interestingly, I also have Germany as my number three. Mm -hmm. um, this is a tight team. You see it. Hansi Flick is a very strict disciplinarian but you can see the team has very much bought into his ideas, right? You can see they believe in each other. They believe in how they want to play. And there is talent throughout that roster. The two questions for Germany, for me, are from what I've seen of them, they're very committed to playing out of the back. And so committed, even under the, some of the highest pressure, that sometimes they give the ball away in very dangerous areas of the field. And I think that's a dangerous thing for Germany is, yes, you have the ability to play out of the back under pressure. And, and many times they break through lines very easily. But it only takes once at a World Cup in a knockout game where you give the ball away in a dangerous place and the team hits you and now you're down, right? Um, I think this team has a real balance in, in both defense and attack. I mean, going to the back three of Schlotterbeck, Rudiger, and Klosterman, I think is really good for this team with Neuer behind them. And Gundogan, I think, is still one of the most underrated sixes in the world. The mm -hmm. way that he, he maybe is not the most de aggressive defensive six, but in terms of bursting into midfield with the ball, his technique, his understanding of the game, his space. And the last reason I have Germany so high is they have something to prove, right? After the last Euros and the last World Cup where they were just abysmal, they have a point to prove. They need to prove that they're still a top Yeah, top they lost to Mexico. <laughs> they lost to Mexico. They got bounced out in the first round of 2018. They lost to England after a pretty poor performance in the group stages of the Euros. So – this team has something to prove. And for many of these guys like Mueller and maybe you know even Neuer, it will probably be their last World Cup. Um, and so, again, they have a good balance of youth and veterans. You have Kai Havertz. You have you know Musiala. We'll see if Florian Wirtz makes the squad. I don't know if he will, but 
I think is another very interesting player to keep an eye on. Mm -hmm. And um, some of these, you know, fullbacks that are playing in Bundesliga are just coming up, right? There's also a good mix of um, technique, right? Technical play. Like you talked about Gudogan, and then you have like some pace merchants too yeah. that can contribute. Well, and, and again, when I say pace merchant, for example, um, Sané, is, and I think I even said Mane before. So if I did that, I apologize. It's Sané. Yeah. Sané is a pace merchant. He's highly technical on the dribbling, can finish, can cross, but but he relies a lot on his pace. So there's pace merchants in the team, but at the same time, there's the technical players that can distribute, control possession, slow down the game. It's a it's a they got options and they got a good coach. Should we go to my number three? Actually, I gave my number three, and you gave yours. It's your two. Your who's your number two? So now we start number two. Okay. Number two, I have Argentina. Mm. I have Argentina. Argentina, And the reason I have Argentina here is I've seen Argentina sides in recent history, right? In the 2000s, even 2010, 2014, that they had more talent than this team. Not that this team lacks talent. They definitely don't lack talent. But they were a bunch of individuals, bunch of great individuals. Now, this one actually looks like a winning team. Just like I talked about Uruguay, Argentina also has grit. They're very tough to deal with. They will play dirty if they have to. They will beat the living crap out of you if they have to. We saw that in Copa America with the their strategy of rotating fouls on Neymar. They had Otamenti beat the shit out of him, and then he got a yellow card. Then they got DePaul, then Lo Celso. They just kept beating the crap out of him. And they rotate it, and, and they have these types of strategies, and they'll use it against you. But not just that. This team is very well balanced on the fullback position. They're very well balanced on the center back position. Romero's a great center back. I know some Spurs fans, Tottenham fans, might not like him as much, but he's a fantastic center back. Otamendi's still there with experience. Montiel's a great right back. They have probably the best goalkeeper they've ever had, Martinez. Mm -hmm. Probably the best goalkeeper they've ever had. And fantastic goalkeeper for Aston Villa. Los Celso and DePaul, great contributors in the midfield. And then when you get up top, you still have Lionel Messi being able to have an impact. I do have some concerns about them still trying to build around him. But it didn't look like that way in the Copa America when they built, they played Brazil. They, they understood that Messi can play and still not be the primary focus of the offense. And then you get players like Julian Alvarez emerging in River Plate, not often talked about because of playing on River Plate, but he's fantastic, and he's going to Manchester City for a reason. Lautaro Martinez, a deadly nine. Give him chances. He's going to put the ball in the back of the net. Di Maria possibly being a super sub for this team, along with Dybala. Those are two heck of super subs that can come in and change the game super quick for you. Scaloni did a great job with this team. This is a legit World Cup contender. People need to watch out and stop sleeping on Argentina. We saw them run over Italy in the Super Classico. I understand that's pretty much a friendly, but it doesn't matter. People are not running over Italy with ease like that, right? Italy doesn't want that. It, it's not like that. So major talents in this team, not as talented as Argentina was, but this is probably the best Argentina team they've had since Diego Maradona in 86. It's a better team than the 2000s Argentina, and I think they can actually win the World Cup. Ever since Messi came on the, on the scene, it's always been about Messi. Every World Cup with Argentina, it's like, can Messi lead this team to glory? And I don't think Messi is a guy who handles pressure very well. I think that generally speaking, he doesn't like to be the spotlight. He's not like Ronaldo, who loves the spotlight. Messi is just a kid who wants to play football with other good footballers, soccer players. And I think the intense pressure 
makes him go high. And also teams get very focused on stopping Messi. But for the first time, it's not all about Messi. Now Messi is a very good cog in a very good machine. And I think that will actually help Messi to thrive. Yes, he's not the same player he used to be, but that could actually benefit this Argentina team because you can't just focus on Messi anymore. Mm -hmm. You really have to watch the entire, you know, the entire Lautaro Martinez is a top six striker in the world, probably top five, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And like you said, just the balance throughout the team, it's Messi's last chance to win a world cup. I don't think he's going to be there four years from now. I also think people underrate very much because Lo Celso and um, and DePaul are not as flashy as in the past. Argentina has had like players like Cambiaso, Javier Mascherano, uh, then maybe more a little more advanced than these two, Juan Roman Riquelme, players like that. But these two, they really suit each other. And it works for Argentina. And you have so much depth on the forward position. The defense is strong. The Acuna and, and Tagliafico on the left. Is it Acuna? That's, I think Acuna is starting, I believe. I hope I'm not wrong there. Uh, Tagliafico from Ajax. Uh, it's just, it's a team. It's also one thing I say. It's a team that if you put on a points-based league, they'll finish behind Brazil like they did in World Cup qualifying. But it's a knockout round team. So when facing Brazil or Argentina in the knockout round, Argentina might be much more deadlier, actually. Even though you already know my number one at this point based on the teams left. But Argentina might be a scarier team for knockout round games than this Brazil squad. Mine might be a surprise. My number two is Spain. I uh, it, it is a surprise, but I already knew based on who was left. Right. Uh, I didn't have them that high, you know, when when the World Cup draw was made. But from what I've seen of this Spain team, they're just so deadly at cutting through you. And I absolutely think they can win this World Cup again. Um, again, they have something to prove. Since 2010, it hasn't been very great f- for Spain. Um, and again, that the one reason they won't is just a lack of firepower up front. But in every other department, they look like a very complete team. And again, very tight as a unit. There's not a lot of egos in that room. There's a lot of very young talent that I think will have a coming out party. So I think I have Spain as my number two. Mm-hmm. That's fair. I had Spain pretty high as well. And that leads to the number one of each one, which right now I can re- I already know which one yours is just by elimination. It's Argentina, and mine is Brazil. Uh, and I think we talked a little bit about Argentina. I checked here real quick while we were talking, and yeah, a lot of the times Argentina starts the fullbacks of Sevilla, Montiel, and Acuna. Uh, Montiel played for River Plate when they won the, the Libertadores too. But I said everything I had to say about Argentina already. Uh, I'll go through Brazil, and then I'll let you wrap up your number one is Argentina. Which will probably be also a bunch of things I said. It's very similar to what you said. Yeah, Brazil. I see a lot of weaknesses in this Argentina team. The reason I see Brazil as a very strong candidate is the following reason. In the past, Brazil has had, in the past two World Cups, this generation, the Neymar generation, one issue we've always had was Neymar never had a sidekick. He never had a sidekick. We thought Coutinho was going to be that sidekick in 2018, but that's, he's a good. He's a fantastic player, but he was not the sidekick. Nowhere near. It kind of looks like Vinicius is that guy. He found his sidekick. He found a guy that can get you to win very quickly. What Ronaldinho, Ronaldo, and and Romario, many players in the past always have had. Even Pele had players surrounding him. And it looks like we found that sidekick. Another issue Brazil has had in the past two World Cups was depth in the forward position. The last World Cup... We had we played with a front three with William, Neymar, and Gabriel Jesus. Off the bench, you had Firmino. And then the other option was like Tyson. Now you have 
Neymar, Gabriel Jesus, Richarlison, Anthony, Rafinha, Vinícius Jr., Rodrigo. There's some of these players I mentioned, one or two might not be there, which yeah. is crazy. So there is that change that you can change the team how it goes, right? The other issue Brazil has had in the past two World Cups was a backup to the six, right? Casemiro didn't face Belgium, and that is still the main reason we lost to Belgium. Uh, mm -hmm. The hole that we had in the midfield and Fernandinho scoring a known goal also. Now we do, right? If Casemiro's out, Fabinho's coming in, which is probably at the same level. It's not going to have any drop-off. Fabinho is there. In 2014, when we would lose Luis Gustavo, it would be awful too in the back line and Fernandinho would come in and Fernandinho is just horrendous for Brazil. There is a depth. And after Fabinho, there's Danilo from Palmeiras, which is a 21-year-old emerging that won two Libertadores, been amazing too, and called in by Titi. You look at the eights now, too. Bruno Guimarães emerging right now in Newcastle. Lucas Paqueta, creator that can also play as a false nine. I talked about the forwards. Paqueta can play as a false nine. But most importantly, I think Chichi shifted the way Brazil plays from 2018 to now. He tried to go more of a fluid way in 2018, and he kind of started doing positional play uh, since, which I'm not the biggest fan. You do lose some fluidity. But he's capable of doing it now because tactically he found his lefty wingers that he didn't have before. Rafinha and Anthony, high-level lefty wingers. He didn't have that before, right? You had Neymar playing as an inverted winger and then William playing as a right winger. He was a righty that would go down the lane and you lose balance. Now he has wingers that can pinch in and he can play a false nine pinching back, kind of like how Liverpool did. So there's more tactical flexibility. There's more depth on the areas of concern. And even on defense, man, you look at the defense, Thiago Silva, Marquinhos, uh, Eder Militão won the Champions League right now, Gabriel Magalhães, Bremer, that was the best defender in the city. Yeah, we might lose him to Italy. There's depth. Now, there's obviously concerns as well, right, with Brazil. And mainly is Brazil doesn't have a true nine anymore like we had in the past, even though that will be fixable playing with the false nine. The main concern is fullbacks. You're not going to win a World Cup if you're starting Dani Alves at age 39. It's not going to happen. No. No. So that is the area of concern. The left back, people complain about it, but I think you can win a World Cup with Renan Lodi from Atletico Madrid, Alex Telles, whoever plays there, he'll be okay with the team. Maybe not at the same level. But the right back is a major concern. Regardless, I think time will come. I think South America will win this World Cup. And a little bit of a bias, I have Brazil winning it. <laughs> yeah, understandably. But it's good for you to explain your reasons why. Yeah. I think the two the two main questions are the dressing room and just those one or two weak spots, the nine and right back. But mm -hmm. I agree, Brazil could, especially if they all pull in the same direction, there's no reason Brazil can't win this. And I think this could definitely be South America's year. I would love for that uh, Mbappe quote to pop up if one of them wins the World Cup. He's screwed if that if if Brazil Argentina win it. They're gonna especially if France doesn't do well. Like if they get knocked out in the quarters or something by one of them. By, by one of them, Argentina. that would be incredible. Or Uruguay knocks them. Or Uruguay. <laughs> So those are our rankings for the World Cup. My number one is Argentina. Like I said, we talked enough about it. Uh, let's talk about the, some U.S. soccer stuff now. Just before we advance, want to just quickly skim through our ranking just so people that are listening didn't get lost? Yeah. So just mind recapping, England 10, Uruguay 9, Portugal 8, Belgium 7, Netherlands 6, Spain 5, France 4, Germany 3, Argentina 2, and Brazil are my favorites to win it right now. Mine is 10, Denmark, 9, the Netherlands, 8, England, 7, Portugal, 6, Uruguay, 5, France, 4, Brazil, 3, Germany, 2, Spain, and 1, Argentina. 
And we should update that in like a month or two, maybe two months. Give it two yeah, months. Yeah, maybe every like six weeks or something yeah. we'll, we'll redo these rankings. Mm -hmm. So, Tack, we have two official friendlies confirmed for the U.S. men's national team in September. They are Saudi Arabia and Japan. Now, I know a lot of people look at these friendlies and they go, why are we playing these two teams? We should be playing top, top teams in the world that could win the World Cup. And to an extent, I agree with them. I 100% agree with them. We should be playing better teams leading up to the World Cup. There's two things to consider. One, because of the schedule is what it is, all of the European nations are unavailable because of Nations League in September. They're playing Nations League games. So you can't schedule a friendly with any of them. That doesn't mean, though, we couldn't have scheduled a friendly with Brazil or Argentina. What are your thoughts? It's tough, right? Because we don't know what U.S. soccer tried to schedule which ones were rejected logistics and and overall what other teams have in mind right brazil for example has to play argentina for the game in world cup qualifying that they didn't play so that eliminates two right there so we don't know exactly we also don't know why in terms of playing style why greg berhalter would pick these opponents there might be you know a reason he picked these two guys right mm -hmm. saudi arabia might be somewhat similar to iran that might yeah. be one of the reasons and Japan is a more technical team. So I don't know who he's trying to match there. It's not really Wales either. But again, it, it's hard to judge in terms of logistics. Regardless, they're two World Cup teams. And they're going to be outside of CONCACAF. Different from South America that we faced Uruguay recently. I'm okay with this at this point. I would Sure, I would want us to play maybe a team that would completely dominate us. So we can practice for maybe England. But I'm okay with this. I'm okay with these friendlies. It'll be good games to watch and... Also, there's only so much these friendlies truly prepare you for the World Cup, if we're being honest, right? It, there's yeah. only so much. I, I would have preferred Saudi Arabia because I understand the Iran um, comparison. Saudi Arabia plus a big team. But again, there was really only two big teams available left, and that was Brazil and Argentina. It's possible that they tried to schedule a friendly with one of them, and it just didn't work out. Um, so in that case, you've got to go. Japan will offer something different. This is a very technical team. They're maybe not physically very strong, uh, but they will cut through you. They're very good on the ball. They're also a very disciplined team. Maybe they don't have quite as much talent as they used to, um, but they still have a lot of top players playing in Europe's top leagues, and it will be a good test for us. Just before we wrap it up, just to update everyone, the United States will play Japan September 23rd and will play Saudi Arabia September 27th. And that will be the last camp before the World Cup camp essentially starts. Yep. I'm looking forward to it. Any last thoughts, Tag, before we call it a day? That'll be all. If you made it this far, please drop a review. If you made it this far in the podcast, it's a long yeah. one. It's a long one. But, guys, thank you very much, everyone, for watching. I'll let Pete close this one. Thanks for everything. Uh, thanks for listening, guys. Um, like Tack said, whatever you know, platform you're on, give us a five-star rating if you enjoyed it. Drop a review if you're on Apple Podcasts. We appreciate it. It helps other people to find this podcast. And give us feedback. Tell us your thoughts. Do you enjoy that we're covering more global soccer stuff on this podcast? Because, you know, we are both primarily USMNT fans. We want the U.S. to do well. Most of our coverage is American-based. But uh, we'd like to start covering more global soccer in certain avenues in the future. So thanks for listening. We'll talk to you guys next week.